This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. I'm going to begin tonight in Matthew 9, but before we go to to Matthew 9, just a couple things I, I want to reiterate from our announcements. Number one is that this is the last day to, to purchase the taco platters and that. There's a table right out here. Again, it's, it's a great thing. You've got to eat on Sunday. So again, go ahead and make yourself available to that. And it, it helps women go to the marriage, or not the marriage retreat, the women's retreat. So, you know, there we go. I'm not trying to pawn you off. And then, as you saw, tonight's or today's the last day to register for the women's retreat at that lower rate. So be sure and, and look at that. And then uh, the baby dedication is this Sunday. So sign up for that. Okay. Turning to the book of Matthew chapter 9. And again, as you're turning there, we, we're on an area called faith. And I'll get back into favor here in these upcoming weeks. But, you know, everything in the kingdom of God comes to us by faith. And a, a great scripture on that, it says in Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We must believe. And so when we talk about the areas of faith, now listen to me with this statement I'm going to make. You don't need to get saved because you need salvation. You need to get saved because you believe God and you ask God to come into your heart. And the reason I say that is because every human being needs salvation. But the only way you receive salvation is you believe and confess or ask Jesus to come into your heart. Well, I believe that that a lot of times that's the same way that faith works. How many in here need to be blessed tonight? Well, every one of us need to be blessed. But again, something happens when I begin to believe God. So again, I, 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 I need salvation, but the way I walk in that is I've got to ask Jesus to come in my heart, and I believe that he's the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. So we begin tonight in Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. And when Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. To me, this is part of Hebrews eleven six. They sought him, those who diligently seek him. They followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he came into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to him, or he said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? And I want to highlight that again. His question to them wasn't, do you have a need? His question to them was, do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they responded and said to him, yes, Lord. They believed Jesus was Lord. They believed Jesus was the Christ. Now, pay real close attention when they replied to Jesus. Look at Jesus' response here. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said to him, yes, Lord. Then Jesus touched their eyes. To touch their eyes means he laid hands on them. 
That's part of the great commission to lay hands on them. Then he touched their eyes and he said, now watch this. According to your faith, let it be to you. According to your faith. Whose faith? Their faith, your faith, my faith. He didn't mention, he didn't say according to to Jesus' faith. He didn't say according to your mother's faith or anyone else's. He said according to your faith. The message says, become what you believe. Now, when I look at this, the thought comes to me that for every one of us, I I don't need a, a degree in theology or a PhD in theology to receive salvation or the benefits of salvation. You know what I do have to have, though? Childlike faith. And it's interesting how many times the Bible talks about childlike faith. And, and, and so when you see the word childlike faith, that's a humble dependence. That's, I trust you. You know, you think about this with children. If you tell them you're going to do something, they don't question, say, how are you going to do that? When are you going to do that? They just believe it. But what happens the more we, we get older and we become adults, we get skeptical about things. And we begin to question things. And so again, when you look at what the Lord Jesus said here, it's pretty incredible. What do you believe? Now, turn with me to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians 3. So what's the goal tonight? Well, we're going to feed your faith and starve your doubts. And the way we do that is we preach the word of God. And so we go here to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. And this is the Apostle Paul writing. And we begin in verse number 1. Therefore, we could no longer endure or stand it. We thought it'd be good left in Athens alone. Now, what he was talking about here, man, he he was troubled because they were separated from him physically. He had people that he loved, and he, he couldn't communicate to them face to face. So that's what he's talking about. So he said, we thought it'd be good left uh, that you'd be left alone in Athens alone. So instead, he sent Timothy, our brother... And minister of God and our fellow laborer of the gospel of Christ. A fellow laborer of the gospel of Christ. And so when you see the words there, a fellow laborer of the gospel of Christ, you know what Timothy's preaching? Everything that Jesus died for you to welcome and receive. That's what he's preaching. Jesus died for salvation. Jesus died to redeem you. And so he's, he's a faithful minister, but also a fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. Now, this was interesting that Paul sends this man of God named Timothy, and Paul's primary concern here was the level of their faith, or better stated, the temperature of the faith. And if you note there, he said, That we may establish you and concerning you, concerning your faith. 
Now, again, it was a product of the gospel of Christ, what he was going to preach to him. And so just because we uh, uh, claim to be Christians doesn't mean we walk automatically in robust faith, okay? I got to stay with the word day after day after day. It's kind of like eating physically. It would be great if you only had to eat once a week. Well, kind of. I kind of like to eat. But again, that's the same with the Word of God. I, I got to feed myself on the Word of God. And the, the great man of God years ago named Smith Wigglesworth, and if you ever get an opportunity to read any Smith Wigglesworth's books, buy him and read them. Incredible man of God. But he would say this over and over and over in his books. We feed our natural man three hot meals a day, and we feed our spirit man one cold snack a week, and, and we wonder why we're starving spiritually. And so again, when I look at this here, this is what he's saying here. He's saying, you know what? We're going to feed your faith. We're going to establish you in the faith. We're going to encourage you in the faith. We're going to strengthen you in the faith. Why? Because I've got to stay in that attitude of believing the word of God. Verse 3. That no one should be shaken by these afflictions. These troubles. You know what he's telling us here? There's things in our life that if I don't stay rooted in the word of God and continually in the faith, I'm going to be led astray. And he said that, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourself know that we were appointed to these. You know what he's telling us? We're going to go through afflictions, and one of the ways you get through the afflictions is, man, my trust in God. I believe in God. I believe God's working within me. Verse 4. For in fact, we told you before when we were with, with you that we would suffer tribulations just as it happened and you know. You know what he's telling them there? We warned you, okay? Verse 5. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it or bear it, I sent to know your faith. Do you know the Amplified says? How you were standing. The endurance of your faith. I sit to know your faith. Lest by some means that the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. And when it says the tempter uh, tempter tempted you, did he get the best of you? And when it talks about there that our labor might be in vain, you know what he's saying? You're going to be fruitless. And your life's going to be useless unless I get back into faith. And so it's incredible here that he says again, I sent to know your faith. Verse 6. But now that Timothy has come to us from you, or he's come back from being with you, and brought us good news of your faith, of your steadfast faith, and your love. Now, it's interesting that the thing that Jesus, or the two things that Jesus was interested in, he said, your steadfast faith and your love. He didn't ask about anything else. He didn't ask how the weather is, how's your job is, how's the house. The only thing he wanted to know was about their faith. And so he goes on to say, your faith and love, that you always have good remembrance of us, Greatly desiring to see us as we also see you. 
Therefore, brethren, fellow believers, in all our afflictions and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. We cheer for you because of your faith, because you lean on God in complete trust and confidence. Verse 8. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God for you for all the joy with which you rejoice for your sake before our God? Night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face. Now watch this. And perfect or complete what is lacking in your faith. So we read 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 1 through 10. And what you begin to see over and over again was faith. Faith, faith, and just continues in faith. And when he uses the word that we perfect what is lacking in your faith, it means complete. It means set in order. It means to make full and ready. But the best one that meant is that you're fit. You're fit. I'm ready to go with the kingdom of God. And so again, when you begin to look at everything that he began to talk about in this area... And his primary concern was our faith, our level of faith. Again, Paul understood, man, if the devil can ever short-circuit your faith, he's got you. So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to look at a couple areas of our faith. And so look with me to the book of Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. Now, where we're headed with this tonight is I, I, I begin to see that when Jesus was around people, he... He was never impressed by their, their, their talents, their titles. He wasn't impressed by what type of education they have. I, I never read one time where he said, you know that Matthew, he was really smart. And that Peter, he, he was a genius. I never find him doing that. The only thing that I find that Jesus was always looking for was faith. Or lack of it. And so when I say those two words, that's where I'm at. So we start here in Luke chapter 7, verse 1. Woo, I need faith, Lord. Luke 7, verse 1. Now when he concluded all his sayings, and this was on the Sermon of the Mount, in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. And a certain centurion which was a Roman military officer. Now, I highlight that because a Roman centurion would have been a Gentile. And in their customs, Gentiles usually would never go around the Jews. But this certain centurion, he had a servant who was dear to him and was sick and ready to die. So when this centurion heard about Jesus... Something happens when we hear about Jesus. He sent elders of the Jews to him. Now, now this is real interesting to me. This, this Roman military officer, he hears about Jesus, but he knew it wasn't right for him to go to Jesus. So he sends these Jewish leaders. And I'm thinking, how was he around these Jewish leaders? Keep reading. Pleading with him to come and heal a servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying, 
that the one for whom he should do these things was deserving. In other words, if anyone deserves this, he does. Do you know what I found out? Jesus never moves by what we deserve. I've never seen him in the scriptures look at someone and say, well, he deserves it, so I'm going to do it. I never find that. Keep reading, and this is why they say he deserves it. For he loves our nation. He loves the Jews. And on top of that, he's built us a synagogue at his own expense. Now, there is a nugget in that, and it's found in uh, Genesis 12, 3, where it says, pertaining to the Jews, I'll bless those who bless them, and I'll curse those who curse them. But that's not why Jesus moves. Verse 5, for he loves our nation, has built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went, and went, Jesus went with him, and he was already not far from his house. The centurion sent friends to him, saying, Lord... Do not trouble yourselves, for I am not worthy. The New International Version says, I don't deserve that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word or speak a word, and my servant will be healed. Now, this military officer, he says, Jesus, I'm not even worthy that you should come under my roof, but all you got to do is speak a word. Now, where I'm going in this is I'm turning to where that verse is cross-referenced. For your sake, if you're taking notes, that's Psalms 33, verse 9. Listen to what this says. For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. So it's interesting here that this Roman officer, he says to Jesus, he said, you don't even need to come near my house. All you got to do is speak the word. Give the command. And when Jesus gives the command, the entire spiritual realm comes to attention. Keep reading. He says, for I also am a man under authority. I have soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another one, come. And he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. Now, you know what he's getting over? He understands authority. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and he turned around, and he said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And so I look at this and think, so what was so significant about the great faith of this Gentile centurion? The centurions understand and his response to the authoritative word of God. This guy knew when Jesus speaks, when Jesus speaks, things happen. But here's a huge nugget for every one of us in here. I haven't found such great faith. So again, when we begin to understand, we've been given power and authority in the name of Jesus. We've been given the name of Jesus. Turn with me to the book of Mark, chapter 6. Mark, chapter 6. 
Now, as you're turning there, I'm going to begin in verse 1 when you get there. In Mark 15, verse 28, there was a a Gentile woman whose daughter was demon-possessed. And just because of her persistence, he said, great is your faith to this woman. Great is your faith. In, in Mark 5, in verse 34, there was a woman that had an issue of blood for 12 years. And he said to her, he said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. Now we go back to where we begin there and we think about, man, Paul was so persistent about the level of our faith. Now, this passage here is completely opposite of, of the, this, what we just read. Begin with me, Mark 6, verse 1. Then, then Jesus went out from there, and he came to his own country, his hometown, which was Nazareth, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath could come, he began to teach in the synagogue. He began to teach in the synagogue. He began to preach the word in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things, and what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works or miracles are performed by his hands? And then they said, but is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. They were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor or has no honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, in his own house. Now, he could do no mighty works there. He could do no mighty works. One translation says, He was not able to do any mighty works there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Now I want you to highlight something. He could not do any mighty works there. For years I would read that and I thought, he would not. Because you're not going to honor me, I'm not going to do anything. But it doesn't say he would not, it said he could not. And so I look at that and I think, wait, 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 time out. He could not. He's the son of God. He can do anything he wants. Evidently not. And so when it says he could not, why could he not do the healings, the things he desired to do? Verse 6. And he marveled because of their unbelief. He was amazed because of their lack of faith. You want to see something real interesting about this. If you look back in verse 2, it said, When the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many heard him. So just because I hear the word of God doesn't mean things are going to happen. They heard the word of God, but because they begin to reason, they thought themselves right out of it, and so they heard the word of God, but this is where we got to go with this. Just because I hear the word of God, I must mix the word of God with faith. See, I can hear it and, and hear it, and I can hear it again and hear it and hear it, 
But until I come to a place and I begin to believe it. One last scripture. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Now watch this. Ooh, this, this is, and I, I got time for one verse here. Hebrews 4, verse 2. For indeed the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the word of God, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. Now who the them were? Those were the Israelites. So just as they heard the word of God, we have the same opportunity to hear the word of God. But it says, just as the gospel was preached to us as well as them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. And so if I don't mix it with faith, it's not going to do any good. If I don't believe it, if I don't begin to speak it, the word of God doesn't do a bit of good. And so it's one thing to hear, but something's got to happen. And so I believe this. I keep hearing the word of God, and I keep hearing the word of God. And something starts stern on the inside of me. And then I start speaking it. I start speaking it, and I believe that. So I got just a few minutes here. When my... When my brother, who's almost two years to the day older than me, when he was uh, a little bitty guy, like seven, he, he had a tumor the size of a tennis ball right here on his left clavicle. And uh, they didn't know what it was, the doctors in Clovis. Thank God for medical doctors. So my parents brought him to Lubbock. And a doctor said, that's, that's a cancerous tumor. We're, we're going to have to remove it. So they go in and they remove it. Um, take out his whole left clavicle. He didn't have one. And so they said, we, we, don't, we don't believe he'll live out of his teenage years. Let's see. Let me think here age-wise. He'll be 61 here in just a few months. He's still around. Thank God for medical doctors in that situation. But we grow up and we didn't know the things of God. We didn't get born again until late teenage, early, early 20s. But we started feeding on the word of God. We started hearing the word of God. And we, we started, man, and this is true. And people will say, well, God doesn't do those things anymore. God, God doesn't display the power like he used to. Those things are over. And so I, I remember on probably at least three different occasions when we're, we're in our 30s that I would begin to see lumps appear on him. And there was a group of us that would pray together most Sunday mornings. And one Sunday morning, he had a shirt on and, and you could see the lump. It was very visible. It was like the size of a golf ball then. And he said, I, I believe the word of God. I believe Jesus heals. Isaiah 53, 5, 1 Peter 2, 24, Matthew 8, 17. Those are all lines on that. And then the great commission, the Lord Jesus said, you lay hands on the sick in my name and I'll heal them. They'll recover. And so right there that day, he said, I, I've got this on my body. And there's probably three or four of us in there. And he said, I, I want you guys to lay hands on me. I want you to lay hands on me in the name of Jesus. And let's just get in agreement. And so we lay hands on him and pray for him and speak the things of God over him. And every time I would see him, 
his testimony would be this. Our testimonies are powerful. His testimony, the word out of his mouth, he said, God's word's working in me. God's moving in my body. God's healing me. The reason our testimonies are so powerful, and I encourage you when God does great things in your life, testify that to your children. Don't ever let your children have the thought, God didn't do those things anymore. Let them know. That's, that's why the Lord, with Joshua and the saints of God, he put those memorial stones out there and said, don't, don't you ever forget what I've done. And so I've never forgot these moments in my life. And, and probably uh, anywhere from four to six weeks walked by. And one morning, he, he takes off his jacket and he pulls it off. And there's, there's nothing on him. There's nothing on him. And woo, we did a little Jesus dance and thank Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I, I say that to tell us, man, God just says, that this, is, this is my love for you. This, this is my desire for you. And so in my own life, when, when people tell me God doesn't do that anymore, I'm like, no, wait a minute. This, this was a good little sinner at one time who gave his heart to Jesus. And, and I've seen Jesus move. I've seen Jesus work. And so again, I, I say that to say, as you believe, as your faith again. And so there's times in my life that I've had to look and I've said this out of my mouth. I, I, I just don't have the faith for that right now. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get back in the Word. I'm going to eat on the Word of God more and more. And then I'm going to begin to say, this is what Jesus said. And so again, I have the opportunity. Do, do I believe the Word of God? Do I believe the Scriptures about Jesus? Remember, He's right there. He's teaching them. But yet, they heard Him, but they wouldn't believe. And so again, and i got to say, Lord, help me. Help me. Remember one of His greatest disciples' cry was there in Luke 17. Where they said, Lord, increase our faith. Are you there? Oh, man, I'm, I'm always feeding my faith. I'm always reading the word of God and believing the word of God. And I begin to speak those things. And so it's very important for everyone. Get into the word and God will get into you. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlebeck.com.